You're listening to the Connected Word Studycast. Studycast? Studycast. A Bible study meets podcast. Welcome to the first episode of the Connected Word. I'm your host, Billy Draper. This is the podcast that merges Bible study and podcasting. I lovingly refer to this as a study cast. Now, ideally, I'll produce one of these episodes a week, but sometimes there may be more and sometimes there may be less. That said, since this is the first episode, I want to provide a little bit more context as to why I decided to do this whole study cast thing in the first place. So here are three reasons why. First of all, God-given curiosity. Now, this is going to sound odd, but just follow me if you may. And by no means is this where my relationship with faith began, but it is what most recently gave me a nudge that has culminated into this moment in time. So I, being somewhat of a sci-fi nerd, was watching episode one of season three of Westworld when Dolores referenced the God spot of the brain. I also, being very fascinated with psychology, jumped all over this. I mean, in fact, I immediately paused the show and started researching the subject. I won't go down that rabbit hole for now, but to connect the dots for you, I ended up purchasing nearly a dozen books, some directly connected to the subject matter, others on the fringe. Two of the books I purchased, the Life Application Study Bible, which in my opinion is a really nice way to augment any Bible reading, and What is the Bible by Rob Bell. Those two books really pushed the idea of exploring God's Word in more detail into the foreground for me. So that's reason number one. Number two is Bible study. This reason takes shape in two sub-themes, daily personal Bible study and organized group Bible study. I'll start with the latter. Since my family and I began attending Grace Place, that's the church in my local community here in northern Colorado, I live in Berthoud, Colorado, Um, we started attending church a little more than a year ago. Um, And since then, I've considered kind of on and off uh, either joining what we call small groups or facilitating a small group. Now, there are a number of reasons why it has taken more than a year to come to, to, for me to come to this conclusion, if you will. Um, But I do want to facilitate Bible study. And yes, you may guess it, there's a chance that this topic will also be up for exploration in the future, but not now. Um, So call it inspired, call it a gut feeling, I'll call it kind of trusting God and stop making excuses to jump in. Um, Another thing, which is probably worth noting, for some reason, the idea of hosting a virtual small group was really compelling. So, you know, due to this whole pandemic where we're taking, you know, kind of uh, church from the out of the four walls and putting it into more virtual environment format, that really kind of intrigued me. One, because I work in the virtual environment as I have been for many, many years. Um, I sell software. And so I'm constantly engaging with people virtually. So it felt very comfortable to me um, and something that I felt like, yes, I absolutely could do at this point in time. So although the world is really weird right now and all the things we have grown accustomed to have been disruptive, I do think there's plenty of evidence that this is an opportunity to do new things and grow regardless. And to put a final thought on this daily Bible study, it has become a much more prominent part of my life. And I really want to share that experience with people like you that might be listening to this podcast. 
Which leads me to my third and final point, which I will also proceed with a disclaimer. That disclaimer is, I'm neither preacher, pastor, nor minister, and will not pretend to be. I am simply a guy that is looking to make a deeper connection to the Word of God who wants to share what I'm learning with others. And by sharing what I'm learning with others, I'm actually learning a little bit more about the Word myself. It, it's, it's part of my journey, right, to, to take what I'm learning, translate it, and through my translation back out, I'm actually learning and connecting deeper. So selfishly, <laughs> um, this is a little bit for me as much as it is for you potentially, right? Now, another thing that kind of really I, I, I drew I drew near in my daily Bible study, and this kind of influenced me a bit more, is in Ephesians four eleven, uh, in Ephesians four verse eleven and twelve, it reads: So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip His people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. As I mentioned earlier, right, I am no (laughs) prophet, I am no apostle, I am no pastor, I I, I am no evangelist. But the teacher part really spoke to me, and that really was that final nudge. I needed to kind of put this content out there and trust God, right? Furthermore, it's kind of funny, prior to my current job, I was the head of sales at a software company. And my favorite part of the job, and perhaps more rewarding than the paycheck itself, was teaching others how to actually sell software. I loved enabling others to do great things. There's just something so re- rewarding with that, that, that thing. And so I, I think as I get older, I definitely want to teach. I definitely want to kind of enable and empower. And so, I don't know, I've, I've, I've thought about starting my own business to actually coach people to teach them how to sell software because there's no degree for software sales, right? I've thought about these things and, and, and they all sound really intriguing, but I've never really jumped on them and, 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 and perhaps there's just not a lot of, I don't know, maybe substance there for me long-term. And this felt like to me, as I was listening, exploring the word, the right time to start to potentially teach others and enable. So through the grace of God, I truly believe that between those of you listening and myself, we will all learn something through this process. So thank you for listening along and, 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 and being a part of this. Okay, now that some of the reason why has been shared, I really want to jump into episode one. Is God really good? As I alluded to in the intro, this is a study cast. I choose to start with this message, well, because we began studying in Ephesians at my church this week, and in our group discussion materials, we were asked a few questions, which in turn led me to the question, is God really good? I'll link back to both those, both the materials and the corresponding message so you can join in the study if you're so inclined. Um, I'll do that kind of later at the bottom of the podcast. But with that said, have you ever heard someone say, God is good? I have. I'm from the South. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very common thing. That's a bless your heart and God is good. I think those are the two most common themes. Roll Tide, you know, if you're in, in War Eagle, whatever. But anyway, um, <laughs> so the whole idea, God is good, I've heard that a lot growing up. And, and, and really depending on the context or your personal experience, 
or what you believe or don't believe to be true about God, you may agree with the statement, you may have doubts about the statement, or a conflicting point of view, and some people may say, absolutely not, I don't believe that. So let's break that out in some examples. The first example, if someone is referring to God as good, let's just say after their sister receives word her cancer's in, in remission after many months of treatment, it might not be too hard to disagree with that when someone says God is good. But if you flip that coin and you look on the other side, there might be someone who recently lost their father to cancer they might not necessarily agree. And in fact, depending on where they're at in the mourning process, they actually may be angry at God. Or they might be harboring anger for many, many years. You hear that from people, right, who've suffered trauma. Uh, and, and how they say, you know, I was angry at God. And then they have a breakthrough, perhaps. But let's kind of let, lift the mood up just a slight bit, but this same kind of lens looking at, uh, you know, God is good through Let's say you recently received a promotion accompanied by a bonus, and now you'll, you're able to take that long-awaited trip to France to visit the Louvre and see the Mona Lisa firsthand, right? Because you were a big art nerd in, in high school, um, in college potentially. I'm, I'm not talking about myself. But, but imagine not only that, you'll also be able to bring your parents along to celebrate their 40th anniversary as well. You might, you know, if that happens to you, you might share how good God is with a few folks. But let's say your neighbor, they lost their job unexpectedly. And now they're worried about paying their mortgage and continuing to pay for their twin daughters who are both freshmen in college, right? Their perspective, their point of view might be very, very different. And uh, God might not be so great at this moment in time for them. Now, as I unravel myself from my cords here and kind of reposition, um, I think you get my point, right? These examples make it fairly easy to understand why you may either agree or disagree that God is good. Now, as I kind of jump into this material a little bit deeper, um, I consider myself very fortunate, and, and there's not a day when I don't wake up thanking God uh, for a number of reasons. Um and it, I mean, I do. I, I, it's kind of a ritual for me, right? I, I wake up, try to wake up before anybody in my family so I can get some time to myself. I uh, drink a cup of water, uh, you know, to rehydrate after a night's rest. I make some coffee and then I sit and I look west. And so where my house is positioned on my property, I can look west and I can see the front range of the Rocky Mountains here in northern Colorado. And it just so happens to be that Long's Peak, which is a 14,000-foot peak that kind of um, just launches out of Rocky Mountain National Park. I've got a really good view of it. And there's this thing that happens in the morning where the sun starts to rise on the east. And if the mountains are snow-capped, which they are for most of the year, you get this really cool thing that happens. To the east, you see this purple, orange, blue, brilliant sky most days, most mornings. And then you watch it play against the white canvas of those mountains. And every time I look at those mountains as they turn purple and orange and transform as the sun comes up, I sit there and look and just think how lucky and grateful I am. I mean, I grew up in a trailer in, in, in Alabama, and, um, you know, to see where I've come and see where kind of God's given me the opportunity to be where I'm at today, I'm, I'm very, very grateful. But even so, right, um, and I think this speaks to kind of just human nature, and we're just flawed, right? 
even with that, um, I still personally struggle with this God is good concept. And I'll tell you why. Um, there's one example spe- uh, specifically in the Bible that jumps out at me and did so even more when I became a father. That might have tipped some of you off on what I'm actually talking about. The story is, in, is told in Genesis 22. So it's, you know, the Old Testament, and we can debate about the Old Testament all we want, but, but and we will. And I highly recommend What is the Bible by Rob Bell. It's, it's a really remarkable read. Um, it'll help you look at the Bible in a different way. But that said, Genesis 22 is where God asked Abraham to take his only son, Isaac, whom he dearly loves, to go sacrifice as a burnt offering to him. I'm going to pause there, right? I'm a father. I have one child. I have an only son. I, 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 when, I, when I heard this and I think about this through the lens of a father and being a father, I just go, why? What kind of God would, would, would ask me to do that, right? And in, and in some ways, when I, when I hear that story, when I heard that story, right, prior to this, this context I'm about to unpack, I, I, I struggled with this question, is God really good? And I, I thought like, man, what happens at the end of the world, right? Am I ever going to be put in that position to have to do something that extreme? I, I, the answer is, the true answer is, I don't know, right? Um, uh, I, I can trust in God. I know that. And that's what Abraham did, right? I can trust in God. And I know that if I have strong enough faith, that's what I'll do. But at the same time, man, I couldn't imagine what I would do in that in that moment. So, so you know, the, the question is, how could a God that asks a man to sacrifice his only child be a good God? Well, if you're familiar with that story, it doesn't end that way. Abraham doesn't have to sacrifice his only son. It actually ends with God providing a ram trapped in thorns. So Abraham can sacrifice that in lieu of Isaac. Now, God providing a sacrifice in thorns for man. Sounds really familiar, doesn't it? Foreshadowing much, perhaps? You know, this is in the Old Testament that we're looking potentially in the New Testament, the uh, the prophecy of Jesus. Maybe we're even creating some empathy. Maybe the author of this story is creating some empathy, right? That, 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 That God has placed this word on somebody. They're now sharing it through this story. And now it's actually creating empathy. And that's exactly what it did for me. Because when I actually was writing this and I started to, to, to spell this out, I was like, could you imagine offering your only son up for sacrifice? And I go, whoa, wait, wait a second. That's what God did exactly. That's, that's the greatest love of all. Um, to, to, I mean, it, it's just crazy, right? It, it's it's kind of, I can't even really put it into words how that actually makes you feel if you sit in that moment for a minute. But um, anyway, you'll, you'll hear me say this often. We'll revisit that story for a number of reasons, the story of Isaac with Abraham, um, because I think it's pretty interesting, and we'll, we'll, we'll touch on some of it today. So what God actually revealed to Abraham was grace, and grace is good, and God is grace. Let me put a bit more meat on that bone. To do this, I'm actually going to um, reference What is the Bible by Rob Bell. I highly, highly recommend this book. It's fascinating. It's an easy, great read. Um, I think I'm, a, you know, I'm almost halfway through, um, and I just purchased it. Um, I, I just think it's just remarkable. So um, in chapter 14 of Rob's book, he also starts by asking, um, what kind of God would ask a man to sacrifice his son? So I might actually read some of this verbatim. 
Um, that is the question about Genesis 22, isn't it? That's what he asked in the book. And so, so I'm going to dance around this a little bit, but I, well, I'll actually just dump in it. He, he provides come uh, an example of uh, the context of religion, and it actually helps frame this whole scenario. So um, let me see. I think this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read just a little bit of this. So, so here's, here's Rob Bell in What is the Bible? Um, this follows the, the, the question about, you know, why would a God ask a man to sacrifice a son? And to get to that answer, we'll, f- we'll need to first spend some time on the history of religion. Now, realize this is a very condensed <laughs> history of religion. Then we'll notice a few details in the story, and then we'll answer the question. So, the history of religion then, in one paragraph, early humans came to the realization that their survival as a species was dependent on things like food and water. And for food to grow, it needs sun and water in proper proportion. Too much water and things wash away, not enough, and plants die. Too much sun and plants wilt, not enough, and they die as well. These basic observations people brought to the conclusion that they were dependent on unforeseen forces that they can that, that 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 they could not control for their survival. So so in this moment, right, humans are really good at this. We like to organize chaos. We 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 have this idea that we want to bring order to chaos. Um, and so religion was basically born out of this idea that we have to organize this in some way. And so so this idea that I'll put the book down and I'll, I'll just kind of go through this. So this, so there was this idea, right, that in order for there to be food, there needed to be this balance between waterfall temp- uh, temperature and weather conditions, too much or too little, um, and you could kiss your crops goodbye. And like I said, so doing what humans do best, they kind of created order from chaos, and they started to attributing visible, invisible force, forces, right, aka gods. To things like waterfall and the yield or not of crops. So to appease these gods and to get in their good favor, they started offering up sacrifices in the form of livestock and bushels of crops, etc., etc. So knowing that, right, sacrifice was a really common thing back in more primitive times. And as you can imagine, there's probably a bit of anxiety of how much one or one should or shouldn't sacrifice, right? Like, how much do I give? What's what's enough? Like, what's the currency? What's the exchange? Is it, you know, is it is it a bushel from every, you know, row of corn? Uh, I don't know if those are the right terms, but you get what I'm saying. It, it, what do I do? What's the right amount? What's the right proportion to fall in the good grace of these gods? And so you can see there's probably a little bit of anxiety on what's enough. And so you can imagine when Abraham was called to sacrifice his only son, and I definitely want to break down what call would probably look like at another time. Um, when, you, uh, when you hear that Abraham was called to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, it wasn't uncommon to just jump to that, right, to go do that thing. And so we'll circle back to it, but the whole idea is that, hey, if I want God or the gods to have, you know, to be in good favor of God or the gods. I better go do this thing, especially if I'm being called to do it. And, you know, we know how the story ends. Abraham takes Isaac and they're walking up the mountain. Isaac's asking him questions about like, well, where's the sacrifice going to come from? And, and, and Abraham faithfully says, God will provide. Man, right? 
that's different. That's different. Um, uh, this was a different God. This was a God of good grace because during that time, you gave to the gods. Gods did not give to you, right? You, you gave to the gods so that you could hope that they would give you enough waterfall, right? There was no exact like currency. You, it was kind of, you did that. And there's a lot of anxiety around this, but this story is one about a God that actually gave to man. Now that seems like, yeah, we, we've been, we know that we know that Billy, we, we understand that. And in fact, you know, he gave his only son to die for us. But this story is the first of its kind. This is that radical idea that I was kind of talking about earlier. It was very groundbreaking at the time. God was revealing to mankind through Abraham that he was a God of grace, that he was different. And we will see this play out uh, from the Old Testament well into the New Testament, this whole idea of a different God, a God of grace. Now, not only did God give Abraham a ram so he didn't have to sacrifice his only son, but like I said, God actually gave his only son as a sacrifice for us. And if I go back to the beginning of this podcast where I share how I once had my doubts that God is good because he asked a man to sacrifice his son, like it's crazy, right? Yet he sacrificed his only son to die for my sins. I think God is great. And, and great really doesn't even really do it justice, right? Um, it, 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 it's, it's, it's kind of beyond words. It's, I can't even fathom it. Uh, and, and if you think about my former POV, it really does highlight just how selfish, self-centered, and, and like flawed humans are for me to even question if God is good. Um, now, once again, there's some more context there, um, and I think we all have our own POVs, and we have to come to that conclusion in our own time. I think that's very important, right? We're all on our own journey. We all listen. We all are going to evaluate. We're all going to study. We're going to research. We're going to learn. Um, and that's up to you. I really think a personal connection with God, you'll find that in time. Um, so God, to, to kind of summarize this, so God is grace, and grace itself is mentioned more than 170 times in the King James Version of the Bible. In Paul's letter to Ephesus, which we're studying at church right now, um, which um, Ephesus was a church established by Paul in AD 52, in Ephesians 1 verses 1 and 2, and he's, he, 1 and 2, he starts off by saying, God's holy people, faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this exact phrase is mentioned also in Romans 1, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 3, and 2 Corinthians 1, verse 2. It was kind of a common greeting to, you know, the church and to the people of God. So th there's a lot to unpack in those two verses. And if you're interested in learning more, I included a link in this podcast to an artful explanation of those two verses courtesy of Pastor Clay Peck at Grace Place. That's the church that we attend. In addition, my church offers up study materials on a weekly basis. So if you want to take this study cast idea to heart, I encourage you to also reference those materials, which I'll, I'll provide links to. That concludes this episode. Um, in the next episode, um, which I call So, This Church Thing, We'll spend more time in Ephesians digging into the idea of church, which can be a very abrasive 
um, subject for a lot of people. And there's, there's plenty of reason why. Um, and I can't wait to jump into that. But in the meantime, if you have any comments, questions, or thoughts, feel free to shoot me an email at Billy, that's B-I-L-L-Y, at theconnectedword.com. Or you can follow the podcast on Instagram at The Connected Word or on Twitter at TWC or TCW, The Connected Word, not TWC, sorry. Or on Twitter at TCW StudyCast. Once again, that's on Twitter at TCW StudyCast. I'm Billy Draper, and you've been listening to The Connected Word. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.